We're going to be doing, starting a series kicking off today, December 2nd, the first Sunday of December, talking about these five things. What, what the Christmas, what our focus is going to be this year. And we're going to help you with the focus. Week one, Jesus celebration. Week two, family memories. Week three, meaningful gifts. Week four, engaged moments. And week five, an ongoing lifestyle. And uh, we're going to talk about that this year um, for, the next, for the next month. And there's a reason why we're doing what we're doing. I want you to know something. We, as, as myself, as the as, you know, lead pastor and our staff, we don't do anything. We tried not to do anything just to do it. We didn't come to Christmas and say, well, let's just do a Christmas series because that's what places do. You know me, I'll just take a book of the Bible and I'll just start preaching and I'll just preach it until it's done because I think God's creative enough. And uh, I, don't have to, I don't have to invent. But we, we oftentimes try to say, God, what's the best way we can communicate what you want communicated. And um, we, we came up with this idea, I really think God-inspired idea, um, this year, because Christmas can be, and I really think is unique. You know, I think of all the holidays that we, that we celebrate in a year, or all the special events that we have in our life, Christmas is unique. And it's unique because it seems to be the one time of the year, the one holiday that we expect to have this special kind of feeling to it. We say, I want to feel like Christmas. You know, you know what I mean by that? We want to feel like Christmas? You know, people say things like this, and you'll, you'll hear it. If you haven't heard it already, you're going to hear it over the next couple of weeks. You're going to hear people say something like this. Well, it just doesn't feel like Christmas yet. Some because it's not snowing out, but some because of whatever reason. It just doesn't feel like Christmas. Or I remember as I was thinking about that, I remember multiple times over the years watching my boys grow up and hear them say things like this. They'd say, you know what, Christmas just doesn't seem to feel the same as it did when I was little. Because there was that anticipation and excitement and, and we'd explain to them, well, that's kind of because what you're thinking of is oftentimes associated with being a little kid and, and surprises and that kind of stuff. But it's not just children that say that because I was, I was thinking, about, I remember just this week, um, as I was you know, working through this, I was reminded when I said to Suzanne, you know, it just doesn't seem like it's, it's the right time to begin a Christmas series. You know, it just seems like it's summer was just, just kind of ending, and, and we kind of say this doesn't feel like Christmas. And there seems to be, you know, I've never had anybody say to me, it doesn't feel like Fourth of July. Has anybody ever said that? It just doesn't feel like the Fourth of July. Nobody says, I, you know, it doesn't feel like Easter even, which to me ought to really be the most glorious holiday in the entire Christian calendar, Christ raising from the dead. But I don't think I've ever heard anybody say it. it just doesn't feel like Easter. See, there seems to be a certain feeling that we expect to have at Christmas time. You know, we know in our mind it's a special time of the year, and we really want it to be special for ourselves, and as parents and grandparents, we really want it to be special for our families. And we go to incredibly great lengths to try to achieve that special Christmas feeling. We probably go to the, to the extent to try to accomplish that feeling at Christmas time more than any other time in the entire year. You know, we, we bake cookies. Suzanne already... Um, Talking to Josh on the phone the other day, I overheard her. You know, Josh gets his phone sometimes in and, and his training in the Army. And uh, she said, because he's coming home for Christmas, you know, and she said, what kind of cookies do you want? 
I don't know if there's any other time of the year that you've ever said, what kind of cookies? You asked me too. He said, what kind of cookies do I want? You said to Brett, what kind of cookies do I want? I think that's the only time of the year that you would look down the road a month and say, what kind of cookies do you want during this time of the year? So we do things like, you know, we, we bake and we, we, um, we buy gifts. We go to the store, you know, that's what everybody's mind's all wrapped around right now, or a lot of people. It's just about, you know, buying that special gift for somebody. Or we, we decorate. This, this week, you know, we had a, a, a whole group of ladies and one guy, Manuel, in here decorating the church. And doesn't it look nice? Our ladies do a great job. They did, you know, and Manuel, he did all the high stuff. And so, you know what? We, we actually take time to, out of people's schedules to come together and decorate for the holidays. Um, we go to special church services. You're going to go to church this year on a Sunday morning, and then the next evening you're going to come to church for Christmas Eve. And so we do all this special stuff. We go and we gather with family. You know, we are flying Josh home for Christmas. The military, the only time you could get off when they shut the whole thing down in the middle of his training is Christmas. There's no other holiday. He went through Thanksgiving. They didn't let him come home. Thanksgiving, Josh, was a normal day like any other day for Josh in the military. Nothing different about it. He just sat down there and did his work. But Christmas, 12 days, they shut the whole thing down. Why? So you can go be by family. All things that we do to try to make Christmas be the special time of the year. But how many of you have experienced a Christmas where you did all the right stuff, but it still just didn't really feel like Christmas? It just kind of felt like any other day, except you were more tired and you probably had less money than you did before it started. You know, you really sat there. The kids tore their gifts open. They're doing whatever. And, and you're sitting here going, really? <laughs> That's it? All this build up for this? You know, um, that it wasn't the perfect Christmas. Maybe you felt left down. I have felt that way at times. Have you ever felt that way? I think we all have. Well, I think it's kind of common to all of us. So what we did as a staff and this was months and months and months ago, we got together looking forward to Christmas, and we got together and we talked about this idea of what Christmas should be. We talked about how people, including ourselves, oftentimes have unrealistic Christmas expectations. We want that perfect day, and the perfect day doesn't come, and we actually, it's a letdown on a day that should be a celebration. And that... that um, we want to combat this idea that if people think that they spend enough maybe enough money on the perfect gift, it'll make Christmas great. Or they go to the opposite. And they say, if we just fight hard enough against the materialism that has seemed to have gripped the Christmas season and we want to take Christmas back from the, from the department stores, that then they can have the dream, dream Christmas, that then you could really have that Norman Rockwell Christmas that you were dreaming of. You know, that perfect picture of 1950s America. You know, Norman Rockwell would have painted with the perfect idea of what Christmas is all about. And we talked about that, and, and this is what we concluded in our conversations, that there is no perfect Christmas celebration for a reason, a couple reasons. There's no perfect Christmas celebration because we're all part of families that have issues. Anybody in your relation have issues? I saw hands just fly up. You think anybody in, the fa- in your relation thinks you're the issue? I think some do. They really do. You know, and you know, we, we all hope for things that, that, that may be unrealistic at Christmas time. Like we have this picture in our mind that if 
if we just do everything right, that Christmas morning's going to come, our perfect little children or grandchildren are going to come prancing down the stairs to the perfectly wrapped presents around the Christmas tree, and they're going to do something they've never done all year. They're going to say please and thank you. They're going to sit there and wait with, with just expectation on their face for that perfect gift that are going to unwrap it, and they're going to begin to cry, and they're going to run up and hug you and say, you're the perfect dad, you're the perfect mom, I love you more than anything. You know, we, and that's kind of in our mind we think when, when the reality is they run down, your hair's like this, you know, Suzanne takes pictures, and I said, how come every year I look exactly the same Christmas morning? Because I come down in my, the same pajamas, and I'm like, okay, open the presents. You know, <laughs> get me a cup of coffee. You know, how, how could the kids possibly have woken up this early? You know, and you go down there, and they rip them open, and it's like in five minutes it's done. And they're saying, oh, but I wanted a... And you're going, really? I wanted this, or I wanted that, or they begin to fight with each other. I like that better, you know, and it's not the perfect thing. So maybe unrealistic expectations. So in our discussion, we concluded that even though there may not be the perfect Christmas, we still believe we can have a great Christmas season. It can still be what the original you know, uh, Christians almost 2,000 years ago, really about 1,000 years ago, tried to Christianize this holiday. And it can still be something incredibly meaningful and incredibly special. So we asked ourselves, what elements would be needed to have a great Christmas season. In other words, how could we have the right Christmas? How, what could we focus on to have the right Christmas? Because that's what you're dreaming of, is a right Christmas. Well, we came up with five things. And these five things will be the topic for our five sermons on Sunday morning in December. And our, this is our hope that if we as a church will focus on these things, that we will really have a blessed Christmas season, where our families are blessed, where we really exalt the Savior, and where we walk out and go, you know what? Put that one down in the books. That was the best Christmas ever. So that's our hope for all of us as a church family today. And so so I really believe that's possible. So today let's, let's talk about the first component that we think is essential for a right Christmas. And it's the one that you would probably naturally go to first. It didn't take any conversation hardly. It was the first thing that came out of all of our mouths as we talked about it. And we said and it's got to be the first message that we, that we talk about. And it's this, that we need to have a Jesus celebration at Christmas. That we need to celebrate Jesus who came into the world. Because sometimes he gets lost in the hustle and the bustle. But I think this. As we talked about it, and as I thought about it and prepared, I thought, you know what? I think we really get this. As people who follow after Jesus, people who who are family of Portview, I really think we get this. I think that we do things to say it's true. You know, we put the signs in our front yard, and we say the slogans. You know, we say, we have the sign, Jesus is the reason for the season. Anybody ever have one of those signs in your yard? You know? Or we say things like, keep Christ in Christmas, and you don't do what the world does. They write Xmas, you write Christ X. You know, you say, I want to keep Jesus as the center of the thing. I think we really do get this, that this is a celebration of Jesus' birth. It's a celebration of his coming into our world. And I think we all want to keep Jesus at the center of our Christmas celebration. So the perfect way to start today, in the beginning of the celebration, in the Advent season, is to make a decision to make sure that's the center of what we do. And I would suggest 
that as we determine to keep Christ in Christmas, that we remind ourselves what the Bible says about who Jesus really is, and that we use the opportunity of Christmas to teach our kids and our grandkids and whoever else wants to listen who the Jesus of the Bible is. Because this is what I know about the world we live in today. There's a lot of people who have a twisted view of who Jesus is. There's not hardly anybody who will who deny that Jesus is real, that he really came and lived, but a lot of twisted views of who Jesus really is. And I'm going to suggest that one of the things that you could do to highlight who Jesus really is, um, is to read about Jesus' birth in the scriptures and talk about it as a family, as the core part of your celebration of Christmas this year. And maybe that's Christmas Eve around the tree, or maybe that's Christmas morning after you open gifts. And I would say, parents, especially with young kids, uh, don't be so delusional to think they're going to sit and listen to you about Jesus with a whole bunch of presents under the tree. <laughs> Let them open the presents and then talk about the important thing. You know, but as a family, let's take some time this year. I would suggest we should take some time this year and look at God's word together. Dads, take the responsibility as a, as a priest of your home and say, we need to look at God's word together. Moms, take the responsibility to say, you know what, we need to do this. This is the heart of what we're doing. Let's not say, well, it's a thing that got lost in the shuffle. And I would suggest that a great place to look this year as a family would be the first chapter of, Mar of Matthew's gospel. And that's what I want to do today. Let's grab our Bibles. And, and I would say this, you could even just go on this one section. We generally, everybody at Christmas goes to Luke. But I want to say, let's, let's not forget Matthew this year. This one section in the first chapter, and just talk about what it reveals about who Jesus really is. So what I want to kind of do today is kind of almost give you a dry run. And say, let's talk about this, and then you can, as a family, talk about the same thing. So that you can say, you know, you might say, well, I don't know, we just read the story, and then I sit and stare at me. I want to give you some things you could talk about today. As, we, as you read this story as a family. So Matthew chapter 1, let's just read verses 18 to 25, and it says this, Matthew 1 verse 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, if you were to take that section of Scripture and to read it as a family, I'd want you to do this. I'd want you to ask yourself, what does that section of Scripture tell us about Jesus? And I'll tell you, it tells you a whole bunch of things. But there's some things I want to focus on today. And the first thing, and the most prominent thing, that I think you need to talk to your family about today, and that you need to settle in your heart today, is, is the, the main focus of these entire verses. 
Now, as we read this today in Mark or Matthew chapter 1, did you notice there's a thread that runs through the whole section we just read? What was the one common theme that was repeated by all the different characters? Something about Christ. What was it? It's his virgin birth. The thing that the angel talked about, the thing that they said, he said to Joseph, that he said to Mary, that the prophets foretold, and that, that Joseph then honored, was one theme that ran through this entire section. The fact that Jesus was born of a virgin. And as we read this, if you picked up on that, did you maybe for a second wonder why the Lord would spend so much time telling about Jesus' virgin birth? As a parent of young kids, I know at times it made me kind of uncomfortable to have to talk to my kids. about. They say, well, what's that mean, Dad? And in a child-appropriate way, you tell them what it means. Because obviously it's in the Scripture, it's something we should talk about. And did you think for a second, you know, nothing in Scripture is by coincidence. There's not a word in the Scripture recorded just because some guy decided to write it down. It was on purpose inspired by the Spirit of God so that we could know what God wants us to know. And did you wonder why for a second, why of all the things he could talk about in Matthew, would he dedicate, in my Bible, one entire section, one column of an entire page, to making one point, that Jesus was born of a virgin? You know, why make such a big deal out of it? Why do I think you need to make a big deal out of that to your kids and your grandkids? Why do I think you need to take the risk of bridging a topic that your, that your little son or daughter might say, well, what's that mean? Why do I think it's important? Well, let's let a picture Answer the question for us. If you put that picture up for me, I'm going to explain it because it's a little hard to read. Dan, I took this from you, from your Facebook page. Now, I sat in the back and Suzanne sat in the back and we tried to see, could you guys read what it says? And we made it as big as we could, but I'll explain it in case you can't read it. It's, it's three Jewish ladies sitting on camels. And the one on the left says this, well, if it isn't Joseph and Mary, and she's looking at the one all the way on the right, and it's a typical Mary with the blue and the, the white head covering, and on, there's bumper stickers on the backs of the camels. And the bumper sticker on the left says, our son is an honor student. And the one in the middle says, well, our son is in medical school. And on Mary and Joseph's camel, it says, our son is God. And so you say, what's the big deal? Why, why is it important that it says, our son is God? Understand this today. The importance of the virgin birth is that it shows that Jesus is God's son. The reason you emphasize the virgin birth to your kids and your grandkids and to yourself is that say, he is in fact God. That Jesus is not just some other guy. He is in fact God. And Mary and Joseph got it. Because they went through all this thing we just read in Mark chapter 1. Angels talking to them. 100-year-old, 730-year-old prophecies being fulfilled. They understood Jesus is God. He's the virgin-born Son of God. And friends, Scripture goes to great length to show us that Jesus is unique. In that He is divine. That Jesus is unusual in the fact that He is the, the, the virgin-born, divinely inspired, conceived Son of God. He's not just a good teacher or a great humanitarian or a good prophet. He is, in fact, God. He was conceived in Mary by the Holy Spirit. That's the text we just read says, that He is God. And this, 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 the text we read goes to great lengths to show the Lord had said this is exactly who the Messiah would be. 
that he was prophesied through Isaiah the prophet 730 years earlier, um, before Jesus ever was on the scene, that the Savior would be born of a virgin, and then an angel would then announce also to Mary and Joseph, listen, the one you're going to have is the very Son of God. That's why the big deal about the conception, the immaculate conception. That's why the Bible goes to such great lengths to say that he was born of a virgin. It's not to try to make Mary and Joseph just look pure. And that's what you maybe have thought. That, you know, it goes to these great lengths to say, oh, they just wanted to know that they didn't have, they had relations before they got married. That's not the point. It was making that point to say something else. That this little baby that was born in the manger that we celebrate is, in fact, the very son of God. Now, why is that so important to remember? And it's incredibly important. You say, okay, it's just a fact. Some will agree, some will disagree. Why is it so important to teach our kids and our grandkids that Mary's bump, Mary, the bumper sticker on Mary's camel said, our son is God. And listen to me today. If you get nothing else today, you need to hear this. Why is it so important? Because if he is God, then we really do have to listen to what he has to say to us. You know why it's so important to emphasize the truth of the virgin birth, which emphasizes the truth that Jesus is God? Because if he is God, then you and I really do have to listen to what he has to say to us about, about who he is and how we are to respond and how we are to live. His words and his teachings, friend, as God, are not just some man's opinion that should be compared to some other man's opinion. Jesus is God, and his words are divine. Jesus is God, and his words are eternal truth. He is always right. He is always trustworthy, because he's God. And you see, one of the devil's greatest tricks, I don't think there's any season in the world, in, in our calendar life, that, that this is so apparent as it is during the Christmas season, that one of the devil's greatest tricks is to get people to simply acknowledge Jesus' words and Jesus' teachings as something valuable, but they are something on par with other people's words and teachings that are also valuable. The devil wants to dilute it. He wants to make it seem like, yeah, he had some good things to say, but so does this guy. And that's why every single year at this time, there is such an uproar that happens around nativity scenes in public places. Have you ever asked yourself, why the big deal? When we celebrate, when the, when the culture around us celebrates Halloween and people are putting, you know, skeletons everywhere, other groups aren't saying, but I want to have the, I don't believe in Halloween, you know, display out. Why at Christmas? Why is there such an uproar when they put the nativity, the simple little nativity, that's, that's the, the symbol of Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus, and they got a couple camels and donkeys and whatever else, and a few wise men with shepherds, and a star over the top of the manger. Why would the world make such a big deal out of people putting it? Shouldn't they say like they say about everything else? Well, you believe what I, you believe, and I'll believe what I believe. Why at Christmas time do they make such a big deal out of putting nativities in public places? People say that if your nativity is there, then I want to be able to display what I think is important and what I worship also at the same time, even though what they worship has no tie 
to the, to the historical time that we choose, the church history, that we choose to celebrate Christ's birth at Christmas. Why would they do that? Why would the atheists put up signs, get the right to suit for the right to put up a sign next to the Christ child that says there is no God? Why? Why do groups like that? Have you ever heard of this? This is a real group. The, you ever hear of the Pastafarians? Anybody ever hear of them? Not the Rastafarians, the Pastafarians. Who's ever heard of them? Some people have. It's a real, it, 2005, this guy named Bobby Henderson, who was fighting in, in, in the state he was part of, that the school districts were trying to reintroduce creationism into the school curriculum. And, and this guy didn't like it. And so he created his own religion. It was a satire. It was supposed to say, if you can believe in a God, you can't see, I can create any God I want, and that God is real too. And he create, he's created the church, a real church, a recognized church. Matter of fact, you can get ordained and licensed in the church. It's called the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster. Only in America. You really can. And his view is... That, that God is a large glob of spaghetti made out of spaghetti and meatballs in the universe. And people go to all these extents. And this year, they're suing for the right to put their displays where nativities are set up. So we, the Pastafarians can put their display next to Jesus of a giant spaghetti monster. And they say, you know what, we have the right to do it too. Why would they go to these great lengths to do that? You know, why all these distractions are on the Christmas celebration at Jesus' birth? It's this. Because if they can dilute who Jesus is, if he just becomes one of many religious leaders, even though they're laughing about it, and it's somewhat funny, but there's, a, there's, a, there's something insidious behind it. They're trying to dilute who Jesus really is, that he's just one of many at the display at the town hall. And says, you know what, if he's just one of many religious leaders, and if we believe that, then that person who believes that can pick and choose whom they will listen to and whom they will follow. But if he is God himself, if the bumper sticker is right, our our son is God. If he's God himself, then he must be listened to and he must be obeyed. That's why all this, every year this hubbub about this stuff, it's not that those people, they don't even realize what the, how those ideas were generated in their very heart to do it. It was inspired by the enemy to try to dilute who Jesus really is. And so friends, as we have our Jesus celebrations, let's celebrate who Jesus really is. That he is the eternal, divine, holy, virgin-born son of God, maker of heaven and earth, savior of the world that there are none other like him, there are no substitutes for him, and there is no one greater than he is, that he is to be loved, he is to be worshipped, he is to be honored, he is to be obeyed, and he is to be celebrated. That's the Christ that we celebrate at Christmas time. That's the Christ of Christmas. And understand something, friends, as that Christ, that he can do what no one else or nothing else can do, that no pasta God can do. And it says it in the text we read today. Look at verses 20 and 21. It says, But when he had considered this, as Joseph, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, 
for he will save his people from their sins. Friends, because he is the Son of God, and because he lived a perfect life, and because he chose to take the punishment for your sins and my sins upon himself on the cross, and because he rose from the dead to break sin's control in your life, then he can do what no one else can do. He can save you from your sins. And the pasta God can't do that. That's who we celebrate at Christmas. Make sure that as you celebrate this Christmas time, that you celebrate the greatest gift ever given to mankind. That Jesus came to save people from their sins. People who have Jesus as Savior have had the chains of sin broken in their lives. Because we come to know Christ, we can overcome sin. We can be holy, we can be upright, and we can be pure. Because He lives in us, the very Son of God, by the Spirit. You know what? Our families, this Christmas, don't have to be dominated by dysfunction. Our families don't have to be dominated by, by, by um, addiction and sickness because we have a Savior. And He is more powerful than any disease, and He is greater than any problem that you can ever have. That's the Christ of Christmas. And Christmas reminds us that He came into our world as a gift to mankind to save us from sin and all of its complications. And knowing and experiencing that will make this Christmas a right Christmas. That is the only thing that will make it a right Christmas. The only thing that will make it a blessed Christmas. Amen? That's it. Now, one more thing as we close. Because we're going to close by taking communion together. This Christmas story says another thing about Jesus that I want you to be sure that you remember this Christmas season. Look at verse 23. It says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son. And you shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Don't forget that this Christmas reminds us to teach ourselves, to remind ourselves and to teach our kids and to teach our grandkids that Jesus is Emmanuel, that he is God with us, that he is here with us right now and he is here with us always. And as I was thinking about this service, I thought there's no better way that we could dedicate ourselves in the next five weeks to having a, to having a right Christmas, better than, than celebrating communion together at the close of this service and looking to the one that we say we're going to celebrate. Because communion is all about Jesus. There's no better way to remind ourselves of his closeness, that he is Emmanuel, God with us, that he's not... He's not off on some distant planet somewhere saying, hey, I got the whole thing going for you, Mark. I hope it all works out well for you. See you in heaven. That's not what he does. He says, I'm Emmanuel. I am God with us. And Jesus himself said to the disciples when he was going to ascend to the Father, and they're like, Jesus, you can't go. We can't be without you. He goes, no, 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 don't, get, don't worry. He said, if I go away, it's going to be better. Because right now I'm at one place at one time, but when I go, the Father's going to send another counselor, the Holy Spirit. And he's not only going to be with you, he's going to be in you. The very presence of Christ. We can dwell in the presence of Christ. And communion, my friends, reminds us of that closeness. It reminds us that Jesus is right here, right now. That he's as close as holding the elements in your hand. You see, Jesus knew 2,000 years ago that today would come, Christmas 2012. And he would say, they're going to kind of forget that I'm not off there somewhere, I'm right here. 
And so he's the one who instituted communion to say when you hold the bread and you hold the cup, that I'm that close, that I'm really Emmanuel, that I'm right here, right now with you, that Jesus is here for you today. And friends, if you're here today and you say, I just need a touch from the Lord, he is here. You don't have to shout. You don't have to beg. He's here right now for you. And he loves to do the impossible. He loves to, sometimes we say we think we know the outcome and maybe he's got a different plan somehow in his way. He loves to just hold us. He's Emmanuel. He's God with us. Communion reminds us of that today. Communion also reminds us of how personal Jesus is. You know what communion isn't? Think if God would have started, if Jesus would have started it this way. And he would have said, when you gather, do communion like this. And the pastor or the priest stood up in front of you. And I took the wafer the bread, and I ate it to remind you that Jesus is here. And I took the cup and I drank it to remind you that Jesus is here, but I'd never let you participate. What if? Why, why wouldn't God have done it that way? Wouldn't it have been easier? Sure, it would have saved our ushers a lot of work. Wouldn't it have been a whole lot easier? You know why? Because re- communion reminds us that Emmanuel is personal, that I, you, hold the elements in your hands. And it reminds us that he is here for you right now. He's Emmanuel. In just a few moments, our ushers are going to serve communion. They're going to come and distribute the elements. And I want to ask you what you're going to do is this. You're going to, I'm going to ask you to hold the elements until we're all served. Remember, we're, we got it where the cups are together now. So you take the cups apart and the, the bread is in one and, the, and the, drink, the juice is in the other. And again, if you need the... The um, gluten-free stuff, last time I'm going to say it out loud, it's going to be in the very back corner. Back here you can get up and get it. But as they are going to come and to, to serve you this morning, I want you all just to hold it all. And once you're served, if you have family members here that you're not sitting with, I want you to get up and go together as a family. You know, I can, I, we got one that's in a different part of the building. So, so come and join your family. Sit together as a family. Get your elements. Sit together. We're going to give you time to move around. Sit together as a family. If you don't have family, I want you just to join. You do have family. It's called the body of Christ. You have brothers and sisters in Christ. Just join with somebody else who's near you. And this is what I want you to do as a family. I want you to dedicate this year, and I'm going to give you time to do it, dedicate this year that the celebration is all about who Jesus really is. I want you to, to, to hold those elements and say, you know what, he's this close to us right now. Not as only this close. There's a reason why Jesus didn't give an emblem with something we just held in our hand, but we do something even more with it. We take it into our mouth. He's saying, that's how close I am. I'm right here right now. And I want you to remember that. And I want you as a family to take a minute and just pray together and say, this year, Jesus, we want you to be the center of our Christmas celebration. That right now, Jesus... As we're going into this next month, you know, 23 days away, that we're not going to get sidetracked. We're not going to get consumed by materialism. We're not going to get. We're not going to. We're not going to fall for the trick of the devil and think that Jesus is just one of many at some nativity celebration scene where there's Jesus and there's the pasta God and there's signs saying there is no God. We're not going to fall for that. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And friends, that's what I found is the key. To making it for Christ. You can sit all day and poke holes and point fingers at other people and say, well, they don't do it right. This church doesn't do it right. That church doesn't do it right. You know what? As for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. And you make the decision this morning, as for you and your house, 
you're going to serve the Lord. And after I've given you just a couple minutes to, uh, to just pray that little prayer together, then I'm going to lead you all in taking communion. Then, then we'll celebrate. Then I'll say, let's take the bread and let's take the cup. So if our, if our ushers would come at this time and begin to distribute the elements, Lord, that you would be centered. Lord, that we wouldn't let the distractions keep us from really seeing the real thing, that we wouldn't even let family issues or maybe unforgiveness or something that has been built up for years to keep us. But God, we give all those things to you today. That, Lord, you would be the center. God, that you would help every family in this place to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That, Lord, you would really be seen as the core, as the center today. Lord, we dedicate it to you. We dedicate this season to you. God, reveal yourself like you never have before. Reveal yourself to us as you never have before. Give us wisdom to teach our kids and our grandkids. An anointing, a blessing from you, the power from you to just teach our kids and our grandkids. God, open up our own eyes so that, Lord, we're not deceived by the tricks of the evil one. That we see clearly why the enemy would invade our holiday. Why he would want to put other things around the nativity in the public square as well as in our hearts. Thank you, Jesus.